Sunday Morning Matinee is brought to you in partnership with The Christian Century, a magazine for progressive church leaders. Welcome to Sunday Morning Matinee, where we talk movies and pop culture with an eye for pastors, preachers, and Sunday school teachers. Today we are regrouping after last night's Academy Awards and talking about what the Oscars got right and what they got wrong. I'm Matt Gaventa. I'm pastor at University Presbyterian Church in Austin, Texas. And I'm Adam, and I'm the minister of Overbrook Presbyterian Church in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. So Adam, what did the Oscars get right last night? Did you enjoy yourself, and what did you see? So as the surprising part of the Oscars last night is that it was typical in one way and atypical in another. First, it generally gets the show wrong. I mean, three and a half hours is way too long, like a million different uh, musical pieces wrong. Um, they did they do without a host. They keep doing this thing where they invite someone to present the presenter super boring and and overall it was pretty dull as a as a show that said it ended right which is to say parasite 1 which was shocking since i think the general consensus around the country and at least to like the odds makers was that 1917 sam mendes world war 1 picture uh, was the odds-on favorite for uh, to win which is kind of interesting considering that um I think it's like the last five years or something I was reading this morning. Um, the favorites haven't won at the Academy Awards. Hmm. Um, that said, this is um, one of those days after the Oscars where I felt I felt a lot like um, the day after Moonlight won, where no one kind of expected Moonlight to win, but everybody recognized that this was the most important picture of the of the year. And similarly, I think. Parasite winning and Bong Joon-ho winning director and screenplay and best foreign film um, is a sort of unprecedented moment in the history of the Academy Awards, um, cons- especially considering that that South Korea has a, I would say, very special film history. There are a number of very good filmmakers who have come out of South Korea and created incredible movies and not a one has ever been nominated for an Academy Award. And to see Bong Joon-ho, who is a superlative director and filmmaker, um, sort of clean up at this year's Academy Awards was, I have to say, shocking. But also, I have to say, I think they got it right. I mean, what do you think? What was your what was what was your impression of the of the show? Yeah, I mean, just start with the obvious. Like they got it right. Everyone's celebrating this morning, and they should be. I and mean, Parasite was, I, for my money, that was the best film I saw all year. I ranted about it on this podcast back in October when I first saw it. It is, uh, it's such deft filmmaking. It's so incisive. It's so funny. It's so beautifully rendered, uh, and and it and it has 
what 1917 doesn't have, which is that it has the moment. It says something urgent that needs to be yes. said now. And I, I, I quite enjoyed 1917. It was an incredibly beautifully rendered film, an amazing technical achievement, uh, and, and really a, a stunning vision. But it cinematography, and he did. Yeah, but it doesn't say anything new. I mean, it, 1917 does not have any new insight on the experience of war or the experience of, of combat. Parasite has new, urgent, vital things to say about class and contemporary society. And I, and I think it, I, I, I want to laud the Academy for recognizing that and, and, and wanting to not only award the film that was, I think, the best film, but also the most urgent, critical film. And I, I think they did that really, really well. The, the rest of the ceremony was odd to me uh, because it felt like the, the the Academy was sort of at war with its own slate of nominees. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the, I, I agree with you that having the presenters that present the presenters is a bit, of, of, is a lot. But it also, it gave the Academy a chance, or the people who put the the broadcast together, a chance to highlight and spotlight all these people from movies that should have been nominated but weren't. Uh, the whole ceremony hmm. felt like a, a constant kind of wink to folks who have said rightly, especially this year, that the slate of nominees was incre- was was far too white, far too kind of heteronormative, and uh, and and in some cases far too male. And right. so you get Janelle Monae's opening number. Now having Janelle Monae up there in the first place is an incredible get for the Oscars. Uh, and then she's got like folks dancing in costumes behind her that are all taken from movies that should have been nominated, whether it's Midsummer and Us, Dolomite, were all represented in kind of these subtle ways behind <laughs> her. Right. And then you get folks like Beanie Feldstein from Booksmart gets to do one of the present the the, the kind right. of introductions Present to the, the introductors yeah. like that 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 seemed like the chorus of yeah 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 we know we nominated a terrible slate of nominees, not that the winners weren't deserving in and of themselves, but that the the breadth of the industry wasn't well represented. We know we screwed it up. Here can we can we fix it with how we do the broadcast. Which, well, even the jokes that people were telling were undermining right. sort of, of ideas course. of it. Yeah, of course. And so I, I wonder. You know, this feels like the 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 production designers behind the ceremony itself feeling deeply conflicted about the cards that they've been dealt by the voting members of the, of the academy. And I, I respect them for being willing to throw an elbow or two in the process of that. I, I, I don't know what happens with this going forward. Um, but I'm thrilled that at least for the one night that, uh, that at least with Bong Joon-ho and at least with um, Parasite that they did get something right. So I want to, I want to ask you two questions. The first is about Parasite. I, I think it's worth us just talking about the film for a second about why you think it's a, such a deserving uh, winner. But second, and this is a sort of more meta Academy question, which is, does Parasite winning change any of these narratives about the Oscars, right? I mean, so if I, I read no less than five or six articles that would that talked about the the problem of whiteness and maleness in the slate of Academy nominees, and every one of them had a parenthetical remark that said, except Parasite. Right. But except Parasite, this is this is the one that won. Right. Does that change the narrative? Because 
it it is the modern one. It is the contemporary one. It is made by a person of color. It is it is a film told in a language, not English, which right. I think is like a remarkable thing. It's a subtitled film that won the Academy Award, which right. is incredible, right? I mean, just from the history of the Academy, that's it's the first non-English speaking Best Picture winner in Academy history. Yeah, that's that is that deserves some recognition, yeah, but. Sure. Is it enough recognition that you say, well, maybe there's incremental change happening within the in the academy? And this is proof that there is change, even though we still get these nominees that perhaps aren't representative of the length and breadth of the good filmmaking that's happening among underrepresented groups in the in the academy. I mean, at the risk of using a harsh metaphor, the, the language that comes to mind is I think it's a stay of execution. <laughs> okay. Yes. Uh -huh. um, because because I do think that not that the Academy's whiteness or maleness has ever been excusable, but I do think over the past couple of years, uh, it that chorus has that that evidence has become more and more damning, and I think mm -hmm. the Academy's response to its criticism this year by putting out an almost just universally white male list of nominees was inexcusable. Um, certainly up against the evidence of, of the performances and the pieces of work that were available for them to nominate. Yes. And, um, yes. I, and I think, uh, and I, I looked at that list at the time and thought, well, the only way that this has any chance of not being a total disaster is if Parasite wins. <laughs> um and and so and so i i don't think we now then give the oscars of 2021 the benefit of the doubt um i don't think they've earned that but i do think that we can still treat them as um uh, a meaningful cultural ceremony um for one more year <laughs> they're one step ahead of the law to use another metaphor that, that's, that's kind of what it feels like to me um, you know it's and and i don't know it's so hard to predict what this voting block is going to do in part mm -hmm. because it is a sort of changing group of people it is idiosyncratic in the in its taste um though there are some obvious themes that continue to show up within the academy awards uh but moreover the like the voting process by which they tally things itself is like very complicated and I can't seem to ever understand how it actually works. Um, so how many first place votes, right. you know, Parasite got versus 1917 and none of it's ever published. So we, we actually can't see and therefore study sort of how trends work within the voting process for right. the Academy Awards. And it may uh, be that Parasite being the only film in that best picture slate that was made by a person of color or that prominently featured a cast of color worked to its advantage once you got inside the voting numbers. Because then the, whoever in that voting block would be willing to consider those um, th that diverse slate is are all going to be voting potentially in one direction. Um, that's right. And, and so it's hard to, it's hard to see, right. Yeah. Without numbers, but it, it does seem like the Academy gets it right about 
every couple of years, every four to five years. <laughs> I mean, when's the last time Moonlight? It was like 2015, I think, 16, something like yeah. that. 16. Yeah. yeah. So that that sounds about right. Um, and they seem to to recognize it. But I also want to at least recognize the fact that they seem to be getting it right in part because of the regular attention to them getting it wrong. Does that make sense? Right? Like, yeah. there's a group of people who are... It makes sense. I don't know if it's true, but it makes sense. Yeah, to, like, continue to put their feet to the fire and say, like, we care about this enough to want you to care about it, too, and to sort of change the particular metrics by which you assess and judge films for this particular award. And... um and I don't know if it's working. It didn't work in the nominations, but it worked here. I, it's very hard to sort of chart what next steps are going to look like or forecast the next steps of the Academy Awards next year. Yeah, and just just to kind of drill in a little bit, because we keep talking about the the, the slate of nominations and the kind of incompleteness there. I just I want to point out a couple of things. The Parasite won... Best picture, best picture not made in English. Um, the uh, best director, best screenplay, and none of its cast were nominated for any of the acting categories. Right. Um, right. Uh, <clears throat> each of the major acting categories, which all went kind of in predictable ways, at least with the odds makers, who the odds makers thought would win, won each time. Um, but they all also feature some omissions that were. Um, kind of heart-wrenching. The the biggest one for me being Lupita Nyong'o's performance in Us that was left yeah. out of the Best Actress category, uh, which seemed inexcusable. And of, of course, um, th- there's also no women nominated in the Best Director category. Uh, I, I would have loved, at the very, 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 very least to have seen Greta Gerwig nominated it's, for Little Women. It's which the was, most obvious thing yeah, on the planet. I don't right. know... It's it's mind-boggling why that wasn't why yeah. she's not represented there. So there there's a longer list than that, but just to kind of begin the tip of the iceberg of people that were that, that were snubbed, uh, I think that's those three are kind of where it begins for me. What else about the ceremony? I mean, we got to talk about Eminem doing something from 2003. What happened there? I mean, who cares? Right. Like it's like I I'm going to I'm going to be 100 percent serious and no uh, and no disrespect to Mr. Marshall Mathers, but it feels like his his time has come and gone. Right. Like, is he is this a relevant human being that I need to, like, consider in my pop culture knowledge any longer? I have I have a well of reserves from like the late 90s to the mid 2000s. To sort of like say like that's my impression of Eminem, complicated dude who made rap at a time when it was sort of in transition, to like pull him back into an Oscar ceremony in 2020 was, I I I don't know what the producers are thinking honestly, Matt. I have no idea what's happening. It, it was like there are so many strange choices with with that type of stuff. And and really, I would rather just listen more to Bong Joon-ho speak. Oh, sure. And give him a little bit more time in his acceptance speech. Um, which the crowd or, which the crowd then demanded. 
right? Like they, yeah. they, 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 they had turned lights down on the producers and the ensemble up there for best picture. And then the crowd starts, this is my favorite moment of the whole thing. The crowd it's starts the demanding, like, bring the lights back up. We are not done celebrating. Because they're Bong not. Bong they... is like trying to make a beeline to the bar at this point, clearly. But nonetheless. But and I think that that's true because he I mean, he was incredibly gracious. His ability like I, I love that stuff when when there's the liveness of it becomes very real, which is there was obvious affection for him in the room. But that that slate of directors also there was a lot of affection for Martin Scorsese. Like yeah. so like he's giving love and and it's so obvious when you watch his films that he has been so influenced by American cinema and um, and has taken it and run it through his particular experience yeah. in such a way that like um, he can he can mess with genre and but he you know there's a Japanese saying that dragon recognizes dragon right like his his affection for both Scorsese and Tarantino for that matter um, made sense to me and uh, they believe they belong at least to my mind in the same the same sort of class of director yeah. you know if there is such an auteur theory out there they kind of all deserve to be there yeah i mean i i particularly appreciated the bong joon ho's shout out to tarantino um and i know tarantino is a really complicated figure that is not universally beloved and i do not universally beloved him myself though i do love many of his films i also think that he gets underappreciated publicly for some of the work of um of making visible international cinema that he has done historically and it is certainly true in Bong Joon-ho's case and in some many other cases particularly in some of those East Asian um, cinema communities that Tarantino has done a lot of promotional work in the U.S. for and I I, I appreciated that moment of shout out because I think it's well earned. I mean, yeah, so, and the obvious love of cinema, I mean, Martin Scorsese got in a little bit of trouble for, like, you know, casting aspersions towards the Marvel Cinematic Universe this year, but um, but the those those three guys seem to love cinema. Now, yeah. I you know, I don't know much about Sam Mendes and, you know, Todd Phillips, like, you know, congratulations, Todd Phillips. I, the more that I think about Joker, the more I don't want to think about Joker. It's right. like, I'm... I'm ready right. to sort of erase that that experience from my mind That's right. um the but let's talk about parasite for a second because i i that is not a movie i want to erase from my mind it's one that i want to continue to revisit because i feel like it's such a rich text and it has so much to say and the part of the things i loved about it number one is that it is so obviously a steady um movie it is it is in the hand you're in the hands of somebody who knows what they're doing who has sort of plotted each of these beats in such a way that um it it seems at least from my my initial watchings like it has a flawlessness to it that i just really appreciate like nothing's out of place and um and each shot is relevant and the 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 just technique of it all is really impressive and then you combine that with a story that like you said at the top is is relevant and it has something to say but isn't making easy trite conclusions about the world but is is like really plumbing some of the depths of desire of class consciousness of um of the ways in which we tend to respect the rich i mean 
the the haunting moment of the movie is that there's, you know, it, he seems to recognize that levels of poverty just go down and down and down. And so sort of the way stairs operate in the movie mm -hmm. is just fascinating. It's mm -hmm. just a, it's beautiful the way that he uses sort of people going up and down stairs as a sort of metaphor for the life of mobility. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a moment where someone who's at the very bottom rung is is affronted, accosted. And her reaction is that the person who accosted her is, oh, she was a very nice woman. And each level is a, is sort of like taught and indoctrinated into believing that the class above them is very nice. Sure. And and it, it's just like a stunning yeah. little moment where you go, oh. It, and it like pierces right to the heart of, yeah. of the of the human experience, especially as you're supposed to sort of respect those above you because they're better than you or nicer than you. And that like your own class consciousness, if it if it turns into a rage is um, is not polite. Yeah, and I think, you know, he, he has played with these kind of archetypes before. I mean, we've talked a little bit about Snowpiercer, which um, takes this, the, the verticality of Parasite and the language of class consciousness and makes it horizontal yeah. and puts it on a train. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I don't think Snowpiercer for all of his success, has anything on Parasite because I think what Bong Joon-ho manages to do in Parasite is take all of this archetypal uh, analysis and run it through with incredibly compelling and beloved, and beloved characters. Like, Snowpiercer is full of kind of stock figures who are playing within a scheme and the scheme is determining them. Parasite is, is a scheme that is built over time by characters who you love. And you love all, I, I could not help but love all of them. I loved the poor family, I loved the rich family. I loved them in all of their brokenness and flawedness. I loved them in all of their depravity and all of their sinfulness. You, you fall in love with all of them because of the way he uses um, humanity and humor and heart to, to unleash and unlock something about our kind of shared experiences. And I think that is what gives this film a, a, an open door to allow it to be something richer and deeper than kind of playing with uh, imagery and um, and playing with kind of cultural critique. I think it's character that makes it work. Yeah, I, I fully agree. And um, and those characters are so fully rendered and they are complicated and you get little glimpses of their past and like the ways in which like the hammer throw metal of the mother is sort of like, is this totem that sort of sits on a wall in the sub basement. Um, the, the other two pieces of the movie that I just found, um, sort of fascinating is first like the obsession with America as, um, as people think about what, what is valuable. And so each of, each of the, um, the Kim family takes on an American name, Jessica and other things like that in order to sort of signal to their gullible, uh, upper class, 
uh, you know, employers that they are themselves worthy of attention. Mm-hmm. Um, that was really fascinating. And then just the way that smell operates mm-hmm. in, right. in, within the sort of visceral way yeah. of thinking about how class consciousness works. Um, and it reminded me, I'm just going to, I'm going to, it's a fairly long quote, but this is, George Orwell wrote this, um, this piece called The Road to Wigan Pier um, in 1937. And, and he's, he's talking about class consciousness here. And I couldn't help, I was reminded of this in watching, uh, watching Parasite. He says, um, that's what we were taught. That is, we, the, the sort of proletariat, that's what we were taught. The lower classes smell. And here, obviously, you are at an impassable barrier for no feeling of like or dislike is quite so fundamental as a physical feeling. Race hatred, religious hatred, difference of education, of temperament, of intellect, even differences of moral code can be got over. But physical repulsion cannot. You cannot have affection for a murderer. You can have affection for a murderer, but you cannot have affection for a man whose breath stinks, habitually stinks, I mean. However well you may wish him, however much you may admire his mind and character, if his breath stinks, he is horrible, and in your heart, you will hate him. It may not greatly matter if the average middle-class person is brought up to be believe, to believe that the working class are ignorant, lazy, drunken, boorish, or dishonest. It is when he is brought up to believe that they are dirty that the harm is done. Hmm. And Yeah, I mean, and, and Bong Joon-ho plays with that so well in the film, and in ways that I, I think are are just got to be really challenging from a filmmaking perspective. I mean, of all of the senses to center a film on, mm-hmm. smell is, is I, I'm, I'm shooting from the hip here, but it feels like the least cinematographic sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Because you, you can't quite f- capture taste on film, but you can show a pan of sizzling garlic and bacon and something will evoke. Um. And you can't quite capture texture on film, but you can put something on the soundtrack that feels like hands going against sandpaper and something will evoke. I feel like smell is really complicated and the way that he manages to show that and capture it cinematographically, I think is really laudable. We have gone mm-hmm. on about this movie long enough okay. though. And I, I, I um were there other let's see best picture nominees that you wanted to um that you you saw that you wanted to give a shout out to while we're while we're here right so i have three movies that i unabashedly love this year um the first is parasite i love that movie um the second is once upon a time in hollywood which i genuinely enjoyed and i thought the first 15 to 20 minutes of the movie i thought was going to go way off the rails and i had no idea what tarantino was doing and then over time, I realized, oh, this is a genre picture. This is this is a this is a fairy tale, um, and I could talk about the movie for a very long time. I really love it. And part of what I like about it is I feel like Tarantino is a little bit more mature in this movie. He he's softer. He there is violence because it's a Tarantino movie, <laughs> and it's pretty extreme violence. Um, but it is. Um, it's reserved to the end and to a, a small moment. And the rest of the time he's, he's contemplating innocence along with the sort of typical themes of his movie. So I love that movie. And the last one is I love knives out. I love knives out. And I think it like once upon a time in Hollywood and like parasite, I felt, I felt secure in each of those movies, which oh, is sure. Each of the filmmakers knows what they're doing. 
I don't have to question much because I can I can be confident that they have already asked the question and come up with a sufficient answer. And so I can just be present with the movie. It's a little bit like it's a goal of my preaching just to be a preacher that people trust. Yeah, right. Right. Like that you come in. It's not you're not going to get a masterpiece every week, but you know that it's going to be considered well thought out and you can trust this person to not go off the rails and do something stupid. Um, and in each of those movies, I had sort of implicit trust in the filmmaker. And that, I think, allowed me to care about the movies a bit more. So those would be my my basic top three favorite movie going experiences this year. Um, and then I was glad that Brad Pitt won just because I think like there are a lot of actors that I love. I don't typically love movie stars, but he's a great movie star. Yeah, like he, he, yeah, like he's fair. a great movie star. Like in the like the mold and typical sure. way of being a movie star, he's my favorite. So those are the those are the two last thoughts that I have. How about you? I mean, I, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood did not work for me as well as it worked for you. Um, and we don't need to belabor it. I I, I probably need to revisit it at some point. It it I, I I'm. I have a deep appreciation for much of Tarantino's uh, filmography. This one felt just a little bit raggedy to me. It didn't feel like it held together. So I, as as always, I, I think he writes moments incredibly well. And there are moments in that film that I thought were exceptionally well done. I just couldn't quite hold on to the thread. And, and, uh, and so by the time we got to the end, I was, I w I was just sort of tired and, um, belabored by it, uh, and so I, I'm I'm I, I'm not sad that that one did not get a huge amount of traction last night. I'm happy for Brad Pitt. I mean, I think there's a lot of ways to go in that category, but he did a great job in that film, and he was clearly, I think, the most compelling part of that film, and so I'm, I was thrilled for him. Um, I do want to just give brief mo mentions to both Little Women and 1917. I mean, we mentioned both of them in passing. Um, I, I, 1917 will end up kind of ends up vilified by this Oscar ceremony because it was the movie that we all thought was going to beat Parasite. And so many of us were rooting for Parasite to win. And my kind of hope is that now that Parasite has won, that we can go back and also give 1917 some proper due and respect. It is a mm -hmm. heck of a movie. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and if you have not yet seen it and it is still playing on a, in a cinema near you, please go see it. It is an incredible cinematographic experience. Um, and I, I'm still kind of processing how they even managed to pull that thing off. Yeah. And Roger Deakins deserves all praise all the time. Yeah, sure. Uh, and, and little women, which we didn't have a chance to talk about in full on this show, but hopefully at some point we will, um, I hope so too. Th that, yeah. that, that movie for me would be the one that I, that I would put alongside Parasite and Knives Out and possibly some others um, as being that category of like, oh, I am, a, I am in such good hands. I know I, I'm just going to trust this experience from top to bottom. I had a little bit of that with um, Craig Brewer's Dolomite Is My Name. I think that was in its own way in a different category of filmmaking, but mm -hmm. the same level of like, of, of just, oh, you, you will, know exactly what you're doing and i have that immediate trust that you're talking about i think both of those films uh, were were really exceptionally well done so 
Yeah, I actually had a couple of texts from people saying that we should consider Little Women going forward. So hopefully when it comes out in, in video, we'll do that. Yeah, that is an amazing we, movie. Yeah. Do people call it video any longer, Matt? I, I, I don't know. <laughs> well i think that's a good place to end our oscar talk today if you have other thoughts about the oscars that you want to talk about or, or if you have any suggestions on movies this year that we should consider on sunday morning matinee send us an email or drop us a line uh, at our facebook page or at the christian century page and uh and we'll consider it it was a really good year in movies and i'm grateful for the chance to have a conversation with you about it matt so thanks yep Thanks, Adam.